0: Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com And now, here are the Dental Amigos.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here, Rob. Paul, it's good to see you, as always. And uh, welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Dental Amigos. Today, we have a special guest, Vivek Kinra, who is the CEO of PPO Profits. A Firm solely dedicated to increasing the PPO insurance reimbursements for dentists across the country. Uh, Vivek spent most of his career so far as a computer engineer leading software development teams for some major firms. However, he's transitioned to the dental field to help his dentist wife build a scratch startup in Chicago. After building the business side for the practice, he realized that the biggest improvement to the bottom line there can be made simply by getting better reimbursements from PPO insurance companies. So now he is in the insurance consulting business. Uh, and now, uh, without further ado, here's Vivek Kinro. Welcome, amigo, and thanks for being on the show.
2: All right. Thank you for having me, amigos. And I will say this. Um, I actually never realized that your your podcast um was called dental amigos um i call everyone amigo by the way
3: uh, nice yeah we're, we're the we're the amigos and vivek we get the hard stuff out of the way first uh, So yeah feel free
2: we
1: just
3: refer to amigos throughout throughout the show here. yeah uh, <laughs> we've had the pleasure of meeting in person and we'll talk talk about that but let's say you know we're in in chicago and we're going out for nachos where would we go and uh, what is your favorite topping
2: you're going to boot me out of this podcast uh my friend as soon as i say this but uh i don't think we'll go for for nachos i'm on a i'm on a very very strict diet um and I'm not a
3: big
1: fan of nachos. Oh so wow, you're off that. the podcast. We're done. Vivek <laughs> is not the first person who has said that. That we had we had another guest that that said he didn't like uh, didn't like nachos, and we did were able to proceed with with the interview.
3: Vivek, now. this just shows you've you've lived with your wife is awesome, you know, and she's just fantastic. Clearly, the winner in your relationship. Just just joking, uh, Vivek. But uh, this just shows how much Dennis is inside of you because you could have just said chicken, and that would have been good enough. But an explanation like a dentist, I don't really like them too much. I'm on a non-nacho diet, so so what would you? pick I'll, I'll give you your de- the your your uh, dentist answer where would we go for uh for uh, food in chicago
2: oh man we'll probably go for to this place called toro sushi uh the best sushi in chicago nice so, and i'm not paid to say that
3: <laughs> I, I, I like sushi too <laughs> we might have to re- rename the uh, the uh the podcast today right yeah yeah they, 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 there's there's been a whole movement online every time i say people want to do dental pizza you can do dental sushi so you know you can
1: start it Hey, so Vivek, it's it's interesting how uh how you got into the uh the dental insurance business but tell us a little bit about what you did uh before uh you were helping your wife with uh with her startup and specifically the some of these ppo issues that we're going to talk about uh, for most of the show
2: yeah i was a computer nerd right i used to write software for robotics navigation systems um, my my role was very focused on leading technically, you know, uh, technical development teams. And so, um, while my wife started the scratch practice, I was a VP of mobile application development for a major firm here in Chicago. And so, I was focused on my own career. And once uh, my wife started the scratch practice, you know, in all honesty, it wasn't doing very, very hot. And I was really bored from my job. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of an entrepreneur at heart, and so. I used to find myself, even in my corporate work meetings, thinking about the dental office and chatting with my team on Slack. We used to have a Slack team for the dental office. And so I realized, you know, my heart's actually taking me this way. The dental office isn't doing that well, so I might as well actually, you know, take the leap uh, and and leave my position and spend time there. And, and as soon as I did that, I mean, I kind of fell in love with the industry um, and, and started really enjoying the business side of dentistry. Uh, got a lot of kicks out of that. And then one of the things that I realized that you know the insurance reimbursements that we used to get were just all over the place, right? I mean, one company is paying us eleven hundred for a crown, the other company is paying us seven hundred for a crown, another company is paying us six hundred fifty for a crown, right? It made no sense. And so I started basically just kind of you know starting making started to make some phone calls, right, to these insurance companies. And I remember in October and November of 2017, I spent an insane amount of time with these insurance companies. And what I ended up realizing is that there is just this big complex web uh, that exists with insurances that kind of piggyback off off of each other. And so just kind of theoretically, I realized, okay, if I did this, if I restructure some contracts, if I terminate this, if I do this, I should be able to get better fees. And, And absolutely, that's how it worked. And then I realized that there is a there is a an opportunity there because our reimbursements with some insurance companies legitimately one day we were getting 729. And this is absolute true story. February 28th of 2018, this particular insurance company used to pay us 729 for a crown. March 1st, 1102, and now they pay 1194. Right, such a That's big great. gap between that, and so. You know, I just basically started bringing this up. Uh, so I, I first went into a consulting role um, where I, I built a company where we do insurance verifications and claims processing, etc., for a percentage of collections. Now, if you think about it, right, when we're getting paid on a per- percentage of collections, I have a very strong vested interest in increasing the collections of the dental office so that we make more, right? And I realized the simplest way I can do is to just get them better fees. Well, once I started doing that, the new spread, And all of a sudden, this thing kind of just took a life of its own. I split that into a separate company, and that's now PPO Profits completely solely dedicated to just um, insurance reimbursements.
3: That's an awesome story, Vic, and we've had a chance to uh, talk uh, on Facebook, online, and in person about this as we've gone on. But just a couple of things you said that I'd like to just point out to our listeners, because, I mean, uh, you were one of the... uh, Early dental nachos, and I actually always uh, like seeing your notifications because you were one of the few people uh, that could argue with me, but it never, you know, we were respectful, and I really enjoyed, you know, the back and forth. Now we know each other. But there was something that you said in the beginning of uh, dental nachos that I would just like to bring to light with my good amigo, who's also a non dentist here, Rob Montgomery. So we have two non dentists. And in the beginning of our time, Vivek, I was saying, you know, it's tough being a dentist, it's stressful, you know, you work so hard, you know, you're not getting paid what you used to get paid, insurance companies are tough. And you said to me, oh, Paul, you know, dentistry is still a good job. And, you know, if you're making this amount of money, it's better than, you know, another job. But over the past couple of years, being with your wife, uh, could you give us an update on your uh, feeling on the stress level to be a dentist every day?
2: Oh my, my, my opinion and thoughts and feelings on that have completely evolved, right? Because I used to be at the dental office every single day, right? And the level of stress that exists, just managing the expectations and dealing with people who are, you know, it's one of those things where I was thinking if there's any other professional like this and I couldn't think about it, right? Like legitimately, it's such a fine art where little thing can cause a lot of issues, Patients don't like you, don't want to be there, right? It's not like, it's not like going to a hair salon, right? Where you, you're gonna enjoy it, right? You want to spend money there, right? Or, or, you know, some other cosmetic medical procedures like Botox, et cetera, right? I mean, you're looking forward to that. Here, you don't want to go there. It's, it's little thing can make big differences, uh, plenty and plenty, and, and you, you know, on top of that, you deal with patients insurance because it's such an insurance-driven uh, world where you know they walk in thinking that everything is going to get covered. I mean, the whole thing is just so ridiculously stressful that now I definitely believe dentists who are also business owners, right? That combination of the solo dentist with a business owner is extremely, extremely stressful. Um, and and you know uh, these folks are worth their weight weight in gold. Well, uh, I actually don't know any single profession in in America anymore. That has that because the solo business model for most professions is gone, right? Uh, I know Robert is a is an attorney. The the model there is still like a you know multiple attorneys forming a practice, typically, right? And then you add partners, etc. Pharmacists got bought by bought by uh, the corporates, right? Doctors now work for hospitals, right? So there really is no other profession remaining where you know you the individual is also the business owner in dealing with some very complex situations so no hats off to, to obviously my wife as well as all the all the I appreciate that Vivek and, and
3: you I know you can take this because that's in Rob's theme of this podcast has helped me many times in life is awareness so I was just sharing awareness with you so in the most nacho kind way uh, I told you so right so you know it's a uh, it's something I try to bring to light in a way that is realistic and what you're doing with your company is helpful and just as as I uh, let Rob ask something. I just have one other thing. Can you just share with the l- listeners why your wife couldn't have done what you did? I mean, you know, the time that you spent prior to starting your company it, it was labor intensive to get these new fees. Uh, am, am I correct?
2: Very labor intensive. Um, and I mean, there's so many reasons, right? I mean, you just don't know what you don't know, right? And so... <laughs> Amen. <all Yeah>. Right? <laughs> Yeah, and how do you find this out? I mean, there is no one telling you what to do here because the reality is most people don't know, most consultants don't know, right? I mean, and so it's just one of those things where I kind of stumbled upon it, right, and then I kept on digging, digging, digging until I kind of drew out this map of how all the insurances work in the different states. Time-consuming, labor-intensive, uh, you know, intensive. Um, and, and with a great degree of uncertainty, right? Uh, I mean, it's not like if you tell a dentist you can spend two months and, and get sixty percent higher fees, they may try and find the time somewhere, right? But um, but there's a level of uncertainty there too that it might not work. So no, yeah, it's one of those things. I you know, there's so many dentists that I talk to, and once in a while somebody would say, well, is this something that I can do? And I'm like, no. I mean, I, and I'm not. You know, saying it because it's self serving, I'm saying it because it's accurate, that there's just no way. I mean, it's just too much.
1: Well, we see this a lot where, and we have this conversation with people, you know, can they do certain things by themselves, uh, people being dentists? And the answer is you can, but can you do it as well? And, you know, if you can't do it as well, then, how much less than as well are, are you going to do it, and then what 's the cost of that you know and I think um, there are a lot of uh, there 's crossover in what you do and what we do uh, in that you know somebody can read an agreement or somebody can pick up the phone and call an insurance company, but you know as we both know that that 's the beginning of the process, and it 's knowing you know what to expect and what you can ask for and what the limits are. That and, and it's your experience that you leverage to be able to tell people like, hey, this is this is an acceptable deal that, that's uh, that, that's being offered to you. But you know, what's interesting to me too about your story is sort of along those lines too. You know it doesn't make sense for a lot of times for people to 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 do something once and for the first time and to do it only once you know like you took this experience that you had with your wife and you leveraged that the time that you spent into developing this standalone business so but a lot of business owners and dental business owners don't have it doesn't make sense to learn how to fix the computers or learn you know all the ins and outs of HIPAA on your own or learn how to all the ins and outs of insurance negotiation on your own because somebody else can do it better who's done it a number of times and you know the learning curve it's sort of like it's almost for naught in in some cases.
2: Oh, for sure.
3: And the reason I just chime in and I kind of led you to this and Rob, give me a good points back is, you know, I, you know, enjoyed meeting your wife, reminding me of myself, busy practice owner, doing things. The other thing that we just left out is even if you could do this, there's no time to do it between 9 and 5 p.m. because you're seeing patients, you're checking hygiene, you're working on your lab cases, you're planning cases. Oh, so time. there's just, there's the world, there's just no time to make those. I mean, you and I have spoken in depth, Bec, there's no time to make those calls or emails or figure this out during a work day. So that just adds another layer to the impossibility of it because you're, you're just engaged in patient care. And if you're not engaged in patient care, you're engaged in running your circus. And that's just your primary goal, your dental circus during the day. I mean,
1: that's and when I have clients and they say, you know, who are you going to use to help you with the insurance credentialing who are doing a startup or an acquisition? They say, we're going to do it ourselves, and they already well, we have a full time job. And right, my, yeah, first, yeah. My, my answer to that is, when? Right, yes, exactly. You know, um, but, you know, I'm curious, you know, uh, Vivek, you know, when you say you spend a lot of time, if you can kind of try to quantify that a little bit just so people have an idea of kind of how much time you had to spend to really get your arms around this.
2: Yeah, I mean, Um, a lot of it was you know now that I know you know what I'm doing and I have you know clients everywhere and all this stuff it's it's, yeah not now I'm
1: not saying now I mean obviously now your experience I mean back then when you were you know kind of the new you know sort of co dental practice yeah. owner with your wife, which you know our spouses are sort of guilty by association when it comes to comes to these things paul 's wife can can attest to that my wife can attest to that uh, but you know when you were just kind of figuring it out like how much time were you spending on on a daily basis roughly or on a weekly basis whatever whatever the easier way is to to, I mean, to, to I, I, it
2: 's tough to quantify that mm-hmm. I would say that between October and November of two thousand and seventeen the total time that I've been on with insurances is probably about 25, 30 hours, right? I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're on hold for 40 minutes just to get to someone, right? I mean, it's it's painful. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say about 20, 30 hours of just like talking to the different folks at the different insurance companies to kind of piece together this puzzle. You know, and, and credentialing is the, the easy part, right? I mean, it, it, legitimately, credentialing is just filling out paperwork, right? how to sign up for a contract and how to negotiate and how to how to leverage how all the networks talk to each other. That's the that's the secret. That's, it, it took about, you know, about 20, 30 hours of just on the phone to like learn that. And there is, and it's funny because there was a time that in our office there was a whiteboard and I legitimately had all these insurance companies, you know, their names written down, right? And it's just like in a detective movie, right? I mean, you have these like, pins and then you like tie it together with threads and all that stuff right that's how it was for me right i'm drawing this line between this company to this company right and what i mean you know not to be too cryptic right like Aetna and guardian is an example for example right they 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 share a network which means if you sign up a contract with Aetna, you automatically become a network with guardian just guardian picks you up on Aetna. same thing with with principal and emeritus right if you join a network with principal right you are now in network with Ameritas, even though you never signed the contract with them. So
3: right? the, I want to pause so, yes. you for a second, Vivek, because uh, this has happened to me in the olden days, before Facebook, even before. You know, it's hard to believe before the Rob Montgomery time when I first started with my dad, and that would happen where someone would come in and say, "You take my insurance," and we we never heard of it, and then we asked if we could see the contract we signed, and they never sent it to us. So it was like a weird movie because somehow you're in this network and now I learn from you that that's what had happened. And I mean, you know, maybe this is, you know, seems we would know this now, but this was, you know, 2005 or six where, you know, that they, they, you can sign one contract and then automatically be in some network you've never heard of.
1: Are the fees different And and uh, we can ask Vivek. Networks, usually.
3: Yeah. Yes. Really? Yeah. Right. Usually, I mean, Vivek, you can tell us, I mean, we can start, I have a couple of things and I think it'll help, uh, our listeners and also what Rob and I do on a daily basis. I mean, walk us through, you know, uh, you you're, you get hired as a new associate. They say, sign these, different credentialing forms, why should they ask questions first or reach out to somebody like you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think anybody should sign any sort of credentialing because that's such a huge mistake that somebody's making in their career. It's just, I can't even stress this, uh, like ridiculously expensive mistake for their career that they're gonna make because what happens is, now, uh, you know, most associates eventually want to start their own practice and all that stuff, right? And and then what happens is that when they sign, right, there are certain insurances that follow them. For example, United Concordia is a very prime example. This happens so often in about six different states that, you know, associate signs, you know, the contract with credentialing for, you know, with the owner. And they're now in network with United Concordia. Then they will go ahead and start their own practice. The problem is United Concordia is the only company out there that ignores the different tax IDs and takes that fee schedule that the owner had and applies it to the to the different office. But Blue Cross Blue Shield, even though you've never signed a contract with Blue Cross Blue Shield in the new practice, piggybacks off the United Concordia fee schedule. So what happens is you send a claim to Blue Cross Blue Shield and it got paid on the United Concordia fee schedule and you're like, I never signed a contract either with United Concordia or with Blue Cross Blue Shield. Why am I getting paid at these really, really low fees? right? So people just don't recognize that these kind of things happen later on in their career, which is why it's always good to to call me. Now now more than likely what I'll do in a situation like this is I'll just talk to the owner and, and try to first negotiate their fees to get them to a good level before the associate uh signing up uh because what ends up happening this is such a common thing that happens in my in my in my world right we're working with a startup right and i've submitted now there's a lot of ai out there uh where basically it's checking all the claim data and i'm sometimes told this dentist has been accepting these low fees at this location for the last four years we can't give him the high fees that you're requesting Right, and so, so in essence what happens is even though they're gonna go to a different tax ID, all that claim data that they've accepted at a particular location, these companies know and they base the wow. fees they're gonna yeah, propose to you smart. based on a lot of this knowledge. So always get to like call someone like me and, and the best thing I can do for their career is negotiate and get higher fees for their, their boss at that time because that's going to help them in the future.
1: Wow so that 's amazing, so yeah. what what you do as an associate greatly impacts what
3: what 's going to happen to you as a practice owner and and to just piggyback on that for a couple of things over back and I have a collaborative relationship he when I send him someone, he sends me all those nachos he doesn't doesn 't want to eat, but we have a collaborative relationship we 've done some stuff on the nacho group, but i 'm so You know, happy to have him as a resource because what he shared there is, you know, you're an associate. You get hired by an office because they need they need an associate or want one. And you can actually bring a good idea to this practice, Vivek's service, and change that practice forever. And the owner will be like, I'm so glad to have you because the owner would have never known about it. So when we had the local med on a person recently uh tom i suggest associates bring that with them so why you know the owner has tools why can't the associate bring tools to the owner and you know make it really you know the nacho way of collaboration so i just think it's important that you know rob deals with this world a lot and i do too that you're what you're saying vivek is associates can bring this idea to their owner because the owner just could be totally unaware they're getting low fees
2: yeah. Oh, absolutely.
1: So if, if, if an associate is in that situation and they've been accepting low fees as before, you know, while they were an associate before they're a practice owner, like, is that something that over time you can help negotiate that hire? Or is that sort of like, hey, sorry, you know, there's nothing, nothing can be done.
2: No, you mean for if the associate then eventually moves on to, to start a practice is that? Is that yeah, what let's just course say course that we have practice? an
1: associate, you know, who's accepted low fees. They're now doing a startup and you get, you know, that that response from an insurance company that says, hey, you know, they've been taking accepting these low fees for all this time. We're not going to give you the number that you're looking for. Like what what can you do or what do you do at that point to, to help them?
2: Yeah, I, I can still negotiate quite a bit higher. A lot of it is just built on some relationships, right? Um, and then you know you just have to find a way to to kind of break clear from that associate position right now there are some companies some insurance companies they don't care uh, about if you were an associate somewhere else right they're going to treat it as a new location a new tax id right so so that's great right then there are a couple of companies that will basically look at where the provider has been working for right and then typically very often it's just a phone call and i'm like you know, to be quite honest, just getting his feet wet, but the startup practice he's opening is night and day difference between where he was associating, right? I mean, he's getting a CVCT and intraoral scanner, and this is gonna be a super high-end practice, spending a lot of money, so don't view this provider, um, you know, on the on the low fees that he had to accept. He had a daily minimum guarantee, et cetera, so he didn't really care about what fees were getting paid, because he was still, you know, getting a daily, uh, uh, minimum, right? So, so those are sometimes you just have these conversations and, and you know, as long as you have the right relationships and, and you're polite, etc., they'll understand, right. And they'll come back and say, okay, you know, well, here's the fee schedule that we propose. So
1: you, so you can fix it. However, in your world, the, the ideal situation is that you don't have to fix it. And you can come in, you know, basically with clean hands and, and start from scratch and, and get an even better deal. Probably it sounds like
2: yeah i mean if i can tell you that the best fees that i can get for anyone is in the sounds and i and i've talked about it is very very counterintuitive a fresh graduate doing a startup right Mm -hmm. yeah graduates in may and wants to do a startup in june that person will get the highest fees than than the provider who's been you know, associating for 20 years and now wants to purchase a practice. I mean, that's just the weird world we live
1: in. Warning to listeners
3: in that situation, do not try that. But we we brought us to a good point because Rob, you know, Rob's a startups and acquisitions and um, I'm a transitions broker. So we arm wrestle. What's better? A startup or an acquisition? We're tied so far. But, you know, uh, uh, share with us, Vivek, a little bit you know when you take on a new client you know the acquisition you, you can work with acquisitions and starters but share the difference in your work on that and just some of the things people should be aware of
2: yeah with acquisitions uh number one right the the timeline so very often what happens is there are a few questions i'll ask if the seller already in network right and and you know there are companies that it you know like delta dental it impacts a lot right i mean if if the seller is already in network with Delta PPO, right? At that particular location, it becomes very, very challenging for for the for the new buyer to become premier, right? Um, but yeah, I typically kind of see how this uh, the the seller was credentialed, right? And then if they were credentialed really poorly, right? Um, then I basically just kind of stay clear of. Of anything to do with the right I mean I almost make submissions as if this was a startup if that makes sense right uh here's a brand new tax ID here's you know I don't even you know put it in there that this is a this is an acquisition because the moment the insurance companies are uh, they know that this is an acquisition, they're going to start looking at what the seller has been accepting because the buyer agreed to purchase that practice right so um yeah and and, and you know once in a while what we'll even do right is is to see if uh the seller is willing to terminate a contract um you know because i know i can get much better fees uh than what the seller has right and so sometimes there's just a conversation that says you know what i'd like to terminate this contract Um, now sometimes people think that the moment they terminate a contract they become out of network Uh, that's just not true because what ends up happening for most dentists almost every dentist that I come across uh, you know who's already in network they don't realize but they are in network with a company like five or six different ways right just like I shared with you the Blue Cross Blue Shield will piggyback off of United Concordia right the so so a a provider may be credentialed with United Concordia and a provider and the same provider may be credentialed with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas for example right and you know, let's say they think, well, we can terminate Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas. What they don't realize that even after they terminate with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas, you still stay in network now with the lower fees of United Concordia, right? So I typically will look at a look at how the seller is structured and how their contracts are set up. And then once in a while I'll say, Okay, the seller needs to first terminate this contract because I can get you better fees um, you know, with this particular company and I'm gonna structure you a little differently. So it's it's really just a lot of it is just you know it's strategic right and we say okay once this thing is uh, terminated then if I make a submission to the new provider to the same company now they're not seeing Mm -hmm. that this location the the provider is already network an existing provider is already network right so there is no fee schedule that they can say we're just going to add a provider to this location now it's a brand new provider Right, uh, so they have to come up with a brand new fee schedule. So that's those are some of the things that I help a lot in in, in practice transitions.
3: It, and what's interesting, Vic, and I just, you know, I'll bring it back to what, uh, you know, when Rob and I uh, go out to this one street in Philadelphia, and, you know, if they said there's a wait time at Alvez on Friday night of 40 minutes, somebody who's never been there might be like, oh my gosh, that's a long time. But no, we'd say, wow, that's cool. short. You know, yeah. sometimes they say two hours. So I'm just it's using Like a couple this, of margaritas, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, just a few margaritas <laughs> at the bar, I know. And uh, uh, the, what I'm saying to bring this up is young dentist or any dentist when they're acquiring or starting up they don't even know if the fee schedule they're looking at is good so they at least have a reference point so you can tell them that 40 minute wait's not so bad you know, that is a good fee or this is a terrible fee or or this is what you should expect and I think that um, it just shows the importance of says, purposeful planning during that transition time where sometimes, and it's normal you know, the acquiring dentist starts to kind of freak out and say, I'll just sign up for everything the seller had and they could be signing up for something that's just going to impact them for decades so you just need a timeout. and me, I do some, you know, buyer coaching and, and help with, you know dual of practice coaching if you manage the patient's expectations and you just share the why with them it's going to be okay you know i mean you just but you need to get your team on board to say you know we're talking if you're you're going to be seeing a patient for a visit that's not in network anymore they have to know or sometimes they can just wait i mean how long how long how many months does it take you to do your vivek magic is it about five months you said
2: yeah so for startups uh right around now it takes about five months to you know to to, to be confident um you know and if there is uh if i'm renegotiating existing contracts right so there's no acquisition but there's a dentist that comes over and says you know these are my fees can you do better right i tell them eight to twelve months now because uh i ask them a question are you okay being out of network for a certain time and they say no which is very common and then i let them know now this is an eight-month process versus a five-month process because it will take me about five months uh, to get better fees through through a different contract. And then it'll take me another three months uh, to terminate your existing contract, right, so that you don't fall out of network. And so that process then becomes eight months and then I have four months for glitches because insurances are very glitchy.
1: So to me, it's interesting too, and and it's obviously this is a, a business decision that you have to quantify, and I can I can sympathize with the people that say, hey, I have to maintain yeah. what what I'm buying here. I can't possibly risk a, a gap in or a loss of goodwill. <laughs> but it strikes me that it's really an investment in the future like maybe you have a couple of rocky months where you have to deal with some of these you know issues with patients and and informing them that they're now out of network but if that means that you know your revenue for the you know the foreseeable future annually is going to be 25 or 30 percent higher well you know then maybe you know taking a a pause there or kind of you know dealing with some a couple of rocky months that becomes a, a kind of a cheap Investment in your future. Oh, so, I
3: mean, what Vivek and uh, I have talked about. I mean, this is life-changing for you as an owner. And we, we, you, you had some good numbers. I mean, and I, I've, I look at the numbers of our practice pretty closely. I mean, how many procedures does a dentist usually bill out a year, Vivek? Uh, I think we were talking about this It's on the about live.
2: About four thousand. About four thousand. One, one dentist, two, two hygienists over the year, you know, two insurances. About four thousand.
3: So I mean, you know, if you use that just a dollar per procedure, and you look at 20 years, and, and I know you can make a lot, you can do better than that. But if dentists who are listening, it's just like this is exactly what we're trying to talk about on the on our podcast is to look at each aspect of your business and be purposeful about it. And this is something you know they don't share at all in dental school, which I have a real issue with because it's pretty much the most important thing. But at least you know we have resources out there there now. And um, I mean, I basically say to people like, "Wouldn't you like to get paid more for doing the exact same thing?"
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting that um, you know because this is a very very common conversation, almost daily. I'm, I'm saying the same thing, right? Because I have a lot of startups that tell me, "Well, I'm starting in two months, etc." Right, and I'm like you want the good news first or the bad news first, right? Uh, the good news is I can get you far better fees than what you're used to. The bad news is for the first three months it's going to be painful for you because you're going to be out of network, right? And so, and so, you know, the next follow-up question they always ask is, is there a way that I can be in network in 60 days? I'm like, yes, with very poor fees, right? You can just add a, add a location to your existing contracts Right. And insurance will be super happy to just take that low fee schedule and apply it to your new startup and you will be in network in sixty days. But but you know, your those those three months of pain can make your next thirty years so much better.
1: So um, yeah, but that's true. Let me say this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, anybody that's doing a startup that's waiting until 60 days before they're going to open to call you, like they've, that's a huge mistake. And anybody that's listening, that, that is not the the way to go about a, a purposeful and, and well-planned startup practice.
3: I mean, if sure. we could look at here, you know, I, I, I have a, just turned nine months, uh, Drew, she's at her visit today. So nine months, it's like you know, that's the time you're waiting to have a child and people might as well start researching strollers and cribs. You're going to need one. So yeah. even though to a lot of dentists, I know this isn't the exciting part to them. It should be one of the most exciting because you're picking out your cabinets and your chairs, but they they don't bring you any, any money. This is something that you just have to put alongside with your awareness and why a team so important because, I mean, Rob deals with this life and you dealed, dealt with it. You know, personally, when you did your star Vivek, it's it's just mentally overwhelming all the decisions you need to make and think about uh, during that process. A lot like you know getting prepared to have a small human in your house. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So if you can I also Vivek, uh, walk uh, walk me through what kind of like how that would look to terminate uh, the seller's insurance in a transition. Like, what's the timing of that, and like, is that something that you know we should be thinking about? Uh, in the due diligence standpoint, and possibly incorporating in in an asset purchase agreement. Yeah.
2: So, and I'll, I'll try to be vague here as well, right? Because obviously,
1: you know. <laughs> no, that's not okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I,
2: I, I, I'm talking to an attorney, so I have to be very, very careful.
1: It's all right. Now, <laughs> this disclaimer that you didn't hear before we got on says that none of this is legal advice. So yes. uh, Okay. We're good, free good, to good. chat. Yeah. So,
2: so I mean, you know, let's say. I'm looking at the seller's contracts, right? And I see one particular insurance company that they have a contract with There's very low fees, right? And uh, the termination takes about 90 days, right, for a lot of insurance companies. So, so I let them know that I need to draft a termination letter for the seller for this insurance company and they freak out and they're like, well no, we're gonna be out of network and then I pointed out to them, well, not quite because this company has a, has a co-leasing agreement with this other company. So you are actually going to stay in network, the seller is actually gonna stay in network, but with just a different fee schedule, right? But I need to terminate this. The termination unfortunately can take 90 days, and then I start negotiating. And and that really elongates the process. Um, and it's, it's, it happens very often, you know, uh, where I let them know that unfortunately the way it is, if you really want to get really high fees, um, I'm gonna to have to first wait for 90 days for this thing to get terminated, and after that, another four or five months before you get back in network with high fees, um, and And so now it's it's just a much longer process, et cetera. So it's you know, just it's case by case and you know, which insurance company in which state, right uh, the The relationships are different in in the different states. So it really is, my first call is always very strategic. I'm, I'm trying to, in in our in my onboarding forms that I send them, right, I need to know their fee schedules, and not just that, I need to have them send me all the claims. Because very often they'll tell me, well, I'm in network with this company, but when I look at a claim, the claim is actually getting paid by some different company, because the company was able to find a lower fee schedule elsewhere, right? And so, and, and it's what is interesting, is all of these shared networks that I talk about, On your EOB, it actually says which network did the company pay off of. Uh, And so that's the most important piece of data that I get. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I know you've signed a contract with this company, but they're not paying you off this fee schedule. You think so, but that's not what's happening.
3: I think it's what thanks for saying in fact I mean I do a lot with transitions as you know and it just seems like there's so much merit you know because we got listeners at all stages and ages I I know you know my baby age dentist bads and medium age dentist mads and seasoned age dentist sads that if you're a seasoned age dentist and you're thinking of transitioning your practice in the next five years it just sounds to me from listening to you here and this kind of just you know struck me while you were talking it just sounds to me like there's so much merit for them to also engage someone like you or find out because they could be presented such a more attractive practice and they could say you yeah. know it's you know what's interesting it's like if you said to a dentist would you rather have a office with a cbct or someone who negotiated their insurance they go, go Oh, cbct and you can just buy a cbct uh and in this is just such a different way for a, a potential seller to do that so i think you know it seems to i like what you do Vivek, because it really hits the whole circle of dentisting life
2: I'm going to make a statement. I mean I, and, I, and I mean it, and this is, even though I'm in this business and anything I say to promote and all this stuff sounds self-serving and all that stuff, eh, you know, but I legitimately mean it. Somebody puts a gun to my head. I'm still going to say the same thing. I think every single dentist should call me. It doesn't matter what situation you are in, right? Every single dentist should call me. There are I am not sure if there's any dentist who's called me uh, and, and and we've negotiated for a lot, right? where I've said to them, sorry, I can't help you, right? Uh, maybe there's one where where I had told them that you're gonna get a 5% increase, right? And they were debating, right? Which even though in my in, in my world at the 5% was well worth it, but it doesn't matter what stage of the practice you're in. Um, it doesn't matter if you're purchasing, if it's multi uh, uh, locations, right? Uh, it's rare because you know, it, it, mathematically, right? Uh, and I come back to it all the time, over and over again, right? Um, and, and is it okay, uh, Paul and Rob, if I just share my fees and all that stuff? Uh, because I want to break it down mathematically a little bit as well.
1: Sure, I'm actually curious because, yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about return on investment and you know, we're talking about all the, the, the return. So uh, what,
3: what is the investment? I'm, I'm an open book. No one wants to read, Rivek. So just be like <laughs> me, yeah. Where no, transparency so, yes, go right ahead.
2: So I have two different tiers. One of them is the startup, right? A startup or an out-of-network practice. So, so I have a fresh slate. The fee is lower, it's $4,200. I break it up into three payments of 1400 each, and the second is, is existing practices, practice acquisitions, or multi-locations. They're 5400 right, and three payments of 1800 But, you know, if you're talking about about four or five thousand bucks uh, of an investment, right, Legitimately, you know, my you know, sometimes people ask me, I don't have to check if it's worth it. And my question always is, do you have five thousand dollars in the bank? Yes. Okay. Do you invest, right, in the stock market, et cetera, right? <laughs> yeah. See where you're going. What what yeah, what rate of return are you looking for? Well, 10, 15 percent is great, right? And and I'm like, Okay, so let's say you get a two percent increase, right? Let's say you get a dollar more for each code that's actually four or five thousand dollars for that year that's a hundred percent roi on on your investment right and and i say this that even though this is my business if there's someone else that came to me right and said vivek i know what you do i can do it better by one dollar if you pay me five thousand dollars and for all your insurance codes that you bill out you will get a dollar more it's it's not even a question i'm like okay sure done sign it right uh, because you know you you get a 100 percent ROI for that year, but then all the subsequent years, uh, you know it's it's the same. So that's why I always tell everyone, right, that even if you know uh, there was a dentist that I was working with, he had a very very high fee schedule, and I looked at that, and I'm like, well, great work. I mean, this is amazing. You know, and I looked at that, and I'm like, I could probably beat it by seven percent, right? And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. So, so what we got for them was 6.7% higher than what they had, right? And it's well worth the money. Now there's some dentists, I give them a 60% increase, right? So, and they're over the moon, but in my view, this dentist who got a 6.7% increase, it's still such a high ROI on, on what they paid that that I legitimately believe that as much as I, I mean, I, I can literally shot you know, from the rooftop without any fear of, of you know people thinking that look at the shameless promoter trying to you know promote his business because I legitimately mean it that any money that you spend to it is the best ROI that you can find anywhere you know and and on top of it just an FII, I personally just give a money back guarantee to people right that if I present you the fees and you don't like it no questions asked take the money back um, it's never happened but uh, but I still give that to people so that they've got some sense of comfort that. That I I mean what I'm saying,
3: right? You know your people, Um, the dentists. You you live with one, and uh,
2: yeah,
3: (laughs) I I I have a couple. I mean, I do this. You know, I'm I'm sharing all kinds of ideas. I know Rob is with his clients too, but I'm with Dennis all the time, and I say just find out, right? I mean, you have a conversation, you talk about it. You should just find out about new things and a lot of things in life. I mean, your example there, Vivek, I feel like there's a no lose situation for both of those clients because. The person who got a sixty percent increase, I know that they're thrilled. But in my mind, I think that you probably know that they were getting some pretty bad fees for years, right? And right, then right, the guy okay. who you got the six point seven percent for should really, in my mind, is is he, is an, is a bigger win or a great win because he or she was probably getting solid fees, and then you made them even solider—that's a word. Um, so I, it's why it's just such a win-win, and that's why I just I just think you have such a great, great. Tool for dentists because in a time where there's just some challenges that we face or, or many challenges, it's just a great, great tool that they could use uh, to really change their everyday happiness, which is my uh, whole, whole, whole thing. Yeah, and I, I don't think that you said shameless. I, I don't see
1: a shameless plug at all. I mean, it, it is what it is, and I yeah. think a lot of times people are just reluctant to spend money on the things that really matter. You know, right. and you, know, you could probably find somebody that could might be able to submit. Applications for cheaper, but cheaper is not always better. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's all about ROI, as you said. And so, just so I'm clear too, like with a startup, are you also you're completing all the paperwork for that forty two hundred dollars too, right? This is you're negotiating, you're doing the whole thing.
2: Yeah, we do the credentialing as well. Now the I, there there are a couple of firms out there um, that negotiate but don't credential, and I don't even know how that works because. the the credentialing is where everything gets screwed up. And so now obviously we don't, there are some applications where you need, you know, the dentist to to print it out and fill it out and sign it, et cetera, right? Those are things that obviously we can't do for them, right? But we don't allow anyone to send uh, uh, any documentation directly to the insurance company, right? We basically tell them these are the things that you gotta fill out, right? Uh, Now, so we, you know, so so, I mean they're not we're not actually completing their applications for them they still have to unfortunately print it out and complete it but uh we're basically guiding them and we're not letting them send everything to them and very often what happens is you know each insurance company has multiple plans like ppo plans right cigna has advantage and dppo metlife has you know pdp pdp plus that vip etc so we let them know these are the plans that you're going to sign up with um and then they send us the paperwork we review, review it and then we send it over to the insurance companies and then we follow up with the insurance companies to see where the process is uh and as soon as we start with a client i'll let them know any recredentialing forms any paperwork anything that the insurance company is going to ask to send to you you don't sign anything. You have to forward everything to us. And the clients have been very, very good about it. As soon as they get something, they forward it to me saying, what do I do with this? Sometimes I'm like, do nothing.
1: Yeah, frankly, I mean, uh-huh. what you charge for that service alone, it's worth it. You know, before you even get into the, the money savings. So, you know, it really, it does seem like a, kind of a no-brainer from uh, from an investment yeah, standpoint. A nacho-brainer, one of my favorite. brainer oh. Hey uh, Vivek, it's been great uh, having you uh, on the show today. Thanks for sharing this. There's a lot of stuff, uh, great content here, and some great ideas, and some things for uh, for our listeners to think about. Uh, if people want to uh, get in touch with you or learn more about uh, your firm, how would they do that?
2: Yeah, I mean, a few things. You know, I, I'm obviously my company's website. It's ppoprofits.com. Right um, on that, there's a phone number for contact. That's actually my cell phone number, right? I text all the time. The, <laughs> the best thing to do is send me a text, right? Uh, I usually text back with a link to my calendar. Uh, Facebook is the second, uh, I would probably say most people find me on Facebook, right? Uh, i on a lot of Facebook dental groups, right? Uh, if you just search for Vivekinra and run, send me a message, I typically get messages on Facebook almost daily, um, right? And then my cell phone number, right? I, I keep it very, very, you know, I actually don't mind people just calling me on my cell, uh, or, or sending me a text because that's that allows me to just send a, a text. I uh, I maintain a public calendar, right? And then the whoever wants to set up some time with me can just set up a time based on whatever is most convenient. And very often I, I either do these uh, you know introduction calls either in the morning at 8:30 or even as late as like 10 p.m. Uh, that's the time, you know, around 8.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. late at night. My daughter's gone to sleep, and, and sometimes it's also a very convenient time for the dentist because their day is over, et cetera, and, and they can just kind of freely discuss without patients uh, disturbing them.
1: That's great. And what is that uh, the phone number? We'll put it up on the, uh, in the show notes, too. But if uh, somebody's just listening, what, what, what's the number they could text you?
2: Yeah, it's area code 219. 219- Three zero nine nine three
1: eight three. All right, so two one nine three zero nine nine three eight three. You could text uh, Vivek and uh, schedule uh, a meeting. And uh, thanks so much for being on the show. We got off, we were kind of got off to a slow start with that whole nacho thing, yeah. but uh, I think you we absolutely more than yeah, redeemed yeah, yeah.
3: yourself. Thank, with, thanks, thanks, thanks Thanks so much. Thanks for taking the
1: time.
2: Hey, thank you for having me, guys. It was it was a lot of fun.
0: Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on the thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.